From BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. If you've never heard of the group Sinfonia Salt Lake, there's a reason for that. They're brand new on the scene, and we have them in the studio today for their premier broadcast performance. The philosopher Goethe once described chamber music, especially string quartets, as four rational people conversing. We'll find out in a moment how rational these guests of ours are, but we do know for certain they know how to have a musical conversation. A chamber orchestra can be almost any combination of 50 instruments or less. Chamber music was originally performed in a salon or hall in your palace, if you happen to be the king or the duke who commissioned the work for the entertainment of your friends, or you might have heard it in the homes of hobby players who rushed out to buy the latest opus of Haydn or Bach to play for their own enjoyment. Our music today will include all seven movements of Johann Sebastian Bach's Orchestral Suite No. 2 in B minor, interspersed with solo performances and conversation with our most excellent ensemble. They are Robert Baldwin, conductor, Leslie Henry and Micah Fleming, violin, Leslie Richards, viola, Brittany Gardner, cello, and Tina Castellanos, flute. Here they are, Sinfonia Salt Lake, with the first two movements, the Overture and Rondo, of the Orchestral Suite No. 2 in B minor by Bach.
We've just heard Overture and Rondo, the first two of seven movements we'll hear this evening from Orchestral Suite Number 2 in B Minor by Johann Sebastian Bach. We're coming to you live from Studio 6 on Classical 89 and BYU Radio. This is Highway 89. Leslie Henry is the concertmaster for Sinfonia Salt Lake and president of the organization. Leslie, thank you for coming with the group. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be part of your premiere, this new beginning. We're just as thrilled. We're really looking forward to next Monday night, and we're glad to be here to play a little bit for you. Well, when you first started putting the ensemble together, was there a certain niche you wanted to, to fill that you thought maybe wasn't being filled somewhere. Absolutely. I mean, this is this is the niche in Salt Lake City that is currently not being filled. We have such an amazing uh, professional symphony orchestra with Utah Symphony. We have a, such a beautiful ballet company, opera company, um, so many kind of smaller chamber music series, but we don't have a professional chamber orchestra. And, and so we really felt like this was a place where we could fit right in and, and not necessarily compete with anybody else, but just add an additional uh, performing medium to what's already there that's so fantastic. Right. Well, how often do you think you'll perform, and how do you decide, because this is a very fluid group. Right. Um, our plan, our, our hopes for the future, um, and our plan is to have about five to six concerts per year um, in a season, and, um, you know, just kind of go with that and build from there and, and see what happens. This year we have uh, two concerts scheduled, one this coming Monday and then one in May on May 16th, and that's just going to get us rolling. We're, we're, uh, that's just a start for us. We're planning on a whole season of concerts in the future. We're glad we're on your list from before your premiere year. You also have, uh, there's sort of a cause you're tying together with. I really like this approach. Yeah, we we want to be as involved in our community as we can. Um, it's a small group, and so we have the capability to really travel, to go out to places and get involved. Um, a couple a couple of examples, um, we are hoping to provide a lot of community outreach service, especially promoting classical music. I mean, that's ultimately what we're here to do, is to make classical music easy and accessible for everybody, to bring it to young, uh, you know, young kids who may not really know what it is anymore and um so that's that's part of our mission our other our other mission is to hopefully um collaborate with local charities for concerts um if folks want to uh, to join in on that this particular concert we will be um, partnering with utah food bank um collecting donations for them so so our mission is you know first and foremost to promote this great music but also to really get involved in our community and and spread some of that around as well so when you when you've done something like this in the past, where maybe you've gone to a grade school or an elementary school, and you get to play, what what reactions do you get from the kids? You know, they absolutely love it. I I remember um, when I was a student at the University of Utah um, in the graduate quartet, one of our uh, main responsibilities was to go around and play outreach concerts for you know middle school, high school kids. And they were just absolutely thrilled with, I mean, I remember we played Bartok fifth string quartet for them and it was so crazy and far out there, but they loved it. I mean, they just really, they really respond to kind of this smaller, more intimate, um, you know, chamber music experience and kids out there love classical music. We just, we have to get it out there for them. They may not know it even by that name, but they recognize some of the music. No, but they just think it's pretty cool. So 
Well, speaking of pretty cool, it's pretty cool to get into this group. How do you, when you, sometimes you'll have trios, you'll have quartets, you'll have, like we have tonight, a string quartet and a flute. And so how do you, how do you get into a group like this? Is it an audition process or invitation? Yes, um, it, it will be an audition process. And the first, um, kind of this initial group is all kind of folks that we've been talking about doing this for several years now. And so many of us are just um, colleagues and friends from around. But there will be an audition process when there are openings each year. We'll have a, you know, if there's a violin opening or, or cello or something like that, there will be an audition process for that. And that will always be posted on our website, more information about that. Good. Well, we'll let you take your place you. because uh, Leslie is about to be, Leslie Henry, we just spoke with the concertmaster for Sinfonia Salt Lake. She's also the president of the organization. We're going to hear solo violin now, the adagio from the G minor sonata number no. one by Bach, performed by Leslie Henry.
the adagio from G minor sonata number no. one by Johann Sebastian Bach, performed by Leslie Henry, concertmaster and president of Sinfonia Salt Lake, our guest today. Dr. Robert Baldwin is the conductor of Sinfonia Salt Lake. He's also director of orchestras and professor of conducting at the University of Utah, and he studied conducting in the U.S., in St. Petersburg, Russia, and I may mention in a few minutes some of the many places that you have studied and, and worked. We're thrilled to have you here. It's great for you to have us. <laughs> it's nice to really, really. Happy especially to be here. since you're a returning guest. This is this that's is right. Nice last last time I brought an instrument with 14 strings, and now we'll have to count them. But we might have more than that. <laughs> but I don't have to tune them this. <laughs> last time. time they were all on one instrument. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that was the viola de gamba. Was that uh, viola de more? Oh, de more. Well, let's talk about Bach. We're doing bit by bit, interspersed with other pieces, this orchestral suite of his. He did four of these in his lifetime, but uh, you said there's an interesting story about who who originally was the soloist for this. Well, there, there's actually quite a bit of controversy. We're not quite sure if he meant it even in the key that we play it in. There's a belief that it was supposed to be maybe originally an A minor in the violin. There was a violin solo, and there's all kinds of evidence. Musicologists look at it and say, well, wait a minute. The Baroque flute couldn't play that note. That was impossible, so it had to be for another instrument. So violinists and flutists have uh, kind of argued about it for uh, quite some time, but I think the, 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 the flutist, the flower, Artists have won, and uh, it's most <laughs> often done on the flute today. Um, although there was, a, there's an oboe player now that is laying claim and saying that it's really for the oboe. So you know everybody's getting getting into it uh, as to what the solo instrument might actually have been. This is like the nature show where they say, "But the flutists prevailed." You know, they fight over the kill or whatever. <laughs> that's <laughs> exact. That's actually you've you've described an orchestra rehearsal sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're I'm glad we're hearing the flute version here today. What kind of music do you hope you can feature with Sinfonia Salt Lake in the coming years? Well, you know, the great thing about the flexibility of the ensemble is that we have um, a, a group that can play Baroque music like we're hearing tonight, uh, 20th century music. Uh, what people don't realize is that this type of ensemble existed all the way from Bach's time all the way into the present day, and composers were writing for it. Mm -hmm. So you'll hear uh, pieces by Tchaikovsky, uh, things that we think of as big symphonic works. Tchaikovsky wrote pieces for, for a smaller ensemble as well, as well as some uh, 20th century music, some fantastic new pieces that are, are very interesting, energetic pieces that uh, are written with this smaller ensemble in mind that really uh, features individual voices as part of the collective. Well, you have so much conducting experience. I've seen you conducting large orchestras. This is a little bit different. I mean, when you scale down... The, you're still totally into the music, I can see, as, as your concentration and cueing the different parts instead of different sections. But do you have to think differently with an ensemble like this than a, a full symphony orchestra when you, you're conducting? You know, the musical principles are the same, but the musicians take a little bit more ownership in their particular parts and things like balance and intonation. Uh, we have so many people, sometimes the conductor, just the large orchestra just has to make certain decisions. But we had a rehearsal yesterday and it was it was great that we had this kind of conversation at places. Should we do it this way or that way? And the conductor doesn't have to come down with a, uh, you know, with, with a, a law from above that says it must be done this way. We, mm. we actually had a conversation about the different types of things we wanted to do musically. And that's the advantage of a group like this. We were noticing over here in our little corner the very subtle movements, I made more subtle hand movements, and, and I think people were cued sometimes even by an eyebrow. 
That's it, all it, it takes. Was very subtle. And also, if you <laughs> notice, um, and of course, your radio listeners have to imagine this uh, through the, the magic of radio. But uh, the the musicians also are watching each other uh, for a lot of things, in, including just like where they place the bow and how they're going to start certain notes. Um, and so sometimes I'm just reinforcement that this is exactly where you come in, and then they play chamber music. It's great. Nice. Well, let's hear some more of this. Dr. Robert Baldwin conducting. He's performed and conducted concerts across the U.S. and Europe, international appearances and music festivals in Germany, at academies in Finland, the Hermitage Camerata in St. Petersburg, Russia. Upcoming performances are in Wuhan, China, Idaho, Arizona, and Montana. We'll continue through Orchestral Suite Number no. 2 in B minor. These are all named for dance forms. We'll hear the Sarabande and Bourrée.
on Highway 89. You're listening to Symphonia Salt Lake in their premiere broadcast, a brand new chamber music ensemble here in Salt Lake City. It's so exciting to hear this great music, this saraband. We just heard a slow, stately Spanish dance form and an old French and Spanish dance to bourree. Brittany Gardner plays cello for Symphonia Salt Lake. Brittany, thank you for coming today. Thanks for having us. I understand you got a cello as a gift on your eighth birthday. I did. Uh, my parents were both music educators when I was growing up, and um, we had to, all my siblings and I had to start playing piano when we were four. And then if we followed through with our practice and made progress, we earned the privilege of choosing our second instrument. <laughs> <laughs> my parents were very smart. And um, I kind of went through everything. I thought maybe the oboe, maybe the harp, and my parents said, no, the harp's too big. We don't want to get another car. <laughs> so can we do something else? And then... Um, just through a series of events, we found out about a, a music camp that was happening that summer, and they needed a person who had never touched a cello before to come to a class to show teachers how to start a cello student. And my parents said, does that sound interesting? And I said, sure, why not? And actually, it's been the perfect fit. It's just kind of interesting how those things fall you together. You didn't know this was the beginning of a lifetime of schlepping oh. this instrument around <laughs> from gig to gig. You know, <laughs> if, I could, if I got paid a dollar for every time someone said, don't you wish you played the flute? I, you know, I'd be yes. a rich person. But um, yeah, it's heavy, And you're thinking it could have been the harp. <laughs> it could have been the harp. Right, right, exactly. Exactly. Well, you've continued this tradition, too. I understand you have some kids who also are following the musical program. I do. I have an eight-year-old, um, well, two daughters, eight years and seven years old, and my oldest plays the violin and my youngest plays the cello. When you're playing a piece like this, like we're, we're hearing these movements from this orchestral suite by Bach, it must be so fun to be the cello player because in some works you end up sort of just being the root of the chord, the tonic. Well, you know, sometimes that's true, but I feel like um, all voices are important, but what makes the cello important is it supports what everybody's doing. It's an instrument, especially in a group like this, that has um, exceptional empathy. And, you know, a soloist can make a line, but if the cellist follows what the soloist is doing, it makes it that much more meaningful and that much more beautiful, and they come together and can carry their message to the audience even better. So I find so much joy in empathizing with the other parts um, and not having the pressure of being the solo line, <laughs> you know. Which is the perfect lead-in <laughs> to the fact you're about to play to a, a solo. complete solo <laughs> for right. us. Yeah, and, no uh, so pressure. We'll let you head over <laughs> and you. Uh, pick up your bow and your cello. That's Brittany Gardner, cellist for Symphonia Salt Lake. She's going to do something very interesting. I've been looking forward to this. We have had on our program the violin and piano version of Sir Edward Elgar's Salut d'Amour, Love's Greeting which was such a popular piece from the very time. It, it got popular right about the time people could have pianos in their homes and, and folks were learning it like crazy. And we're going to hear a completely solo cello version of this beautiful melody.
Salut d'amour, written by Sir Edward Elgar way back when he was just Ed Elgar, and that was an engagement gift, that particular piece, for his intended Alice. Beautifully played by Brittany Gardner, cellist for Symphonia Salt Lake. Michael Fleming is violinist with Symphonia Salt Lake, first violinist with the orchestra at Temple Square, with a master's degree from Indiana University in violin pedagogy. And you teach at Mount Olympus High School. What do you teach? I teach orchestra and music, as well as AP Music Theory. I used to teach, actually, Spanish for a couple of years as well. So I've, I've done a little bit of everything. <laughs> well, I understand that uh, you, you didn't even know what classical music was until third grade. Pretty much. Um, the, the music, we, we had a lot of music in my house growing up. My father was a, a great guitarist and singer, and we grew up listening and singing the music of John Denver and Peter, Paul, and Mary oh, yeah. and all this great folk music. And um, yeah, when I was in the second grade, I heard the school orchestra perform. Mm. Uh, it was conducted by a great man, Fred Kerman, who was not a string player, but he taught the string class at our school, and uh, he, he taught uh, a lot of 12-bar blues patterns. He was quite a jazz musician, and so he figured he could bring in his jazz background, to, and that's what hooked me. And soon thereafter, I started taking violin lessons and uh, was uh, opened up to this wonderful world of, of Bach and all the great classical music that I get to enjoy all the time now. So Now, we understand you also have a hobby as a fly fisherman. I do, yes. I, I love to fly fish. And I've lived in Utah for about six years, and I didn't know anything about fly fishing at all before mm. moving here. And my father-in-law is quite the avid fly fisherman, and he, he taught me everything I know. So <laughs> it's, uh, and he's, he's, he's been quite the, the great teacher. In, do you have a favorite that. spot? Uh, I love to go to um, the Weber Canyon mm -hmm. up past um, in kind of northeastern Utah, the Weber River. So I know some people have a, not only a favorite river, but a secret place. They don't tell anyone else. I have a couple of those. Okay, but, uh... okay. we won't ask. But... <laughs> That's great. Well, tell me about teaching orchestra these days to, to high school kids and what kind of preparation do they have the preparation they need when they arrive in your classroom? That is a really good question. You know, um, I, I'm fortunate to teach at a school where music is really valued by the parents and the students both. Um, a lot of the students take private lessons, but a lot of them don't either, and they have had a background, and so I'm able to provide opportunities for, for all of these varying levels to be able to contribute in the orchestra. We actually have three ensembles, three string ensembles at Olympus High School. Um, one uh, small chamber orchestra, similar to what we do with Symphonia Salt Lake of about 12 musicians, uh, have a large orchestra made up of upperclassmen and another fairly large orchestra made up of lowerclassmen. So. Well, we're glad you get a chance to just be the performer. Yeah, that's 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 fun for me too. Not have to grade papers or anything. <laughs> yes, so. yes. No, it's it, it it is fun. I've I've really enjoyed working with the students at Olympus. They are fantastic people, and I I learn from them constantly. 
Well, let's hear more. We're going to hear fifth and sixth movements of Orchestral Suite Number no. 2 oh. in B minor by Bach. We do, we should say that uh, Micah Fleming, we just spoke with, he's got to be an organized person at Indiana University. He served as the orchestra manager for all five orchestras. We maybe need time management les lessons from him. Here is the Polonaise and Menuet. <laughs>
We're listening to Symphonia Salt Lake. They've just performed Polonaise and Minuet, fifth and sixth movements of orchestral suite number two in B minor by Bach. You're listening to Highway 89, coming to you live on Classical 89 and BYU Radio. Tina Castellanos is the solo flutist for Symphonia Salt Lake City. Tina, thank you for coming. Thank you for having us. Uh, you hardly even had time to breathe on that last movement. <laughs> well, that, it goes comes with the territory, I guess. <laughs> you just have to figure out how to make it work. <laughs> You've been the you are the principal flutist of the Salt Lake Symphony, second flutist of the Las Vegas Philharmonic, principal flutist of the Nevada Pops. This comes from 10 years in Las Vegas, so you have lots of musical connections. But it sounds like you've played everything from orchestral music to orchestral pops, even to shows. Yes, I played for um, Phantom of the Opera in the Venetian in Las wow. Vegas for six years. Exciting. I'm so. looking over people you've uh, played for, Cirque du Soleil, Harry Connick Jr., Jerry Lewis, my goodness, <laughs> that was Andy fun. Williams, Dion, Placido Domingo. I'm skip, skipping all kinds of people, Peter Shickley. And my wife would be so pleased to hear ABBA. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I mean, you've arrived when you've played with ABBA. <laughs> well, uh, tell us about this solo. You're going to play a piece by Claude Debussy that's uh, writ written this especially for flute. And mm -hmm. uh, it's called Syrinx. Yes, it's, um, it was composed in 1913 by Claude Debussy. Um, it's one of the first major flute works to be written for the new... Um, BAME system flute. Um, there's been lots of That's what we would know as the, the, modern, the, modern the modern flute. flute. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, it was 150 years prior to that when C.P.E. Bach wrote a prominent flute um, solo piece. So Syrinx is a kind of a turning point um, in the flute repertoire. So it's a fun piece. It's about the mythological god Pan, who's half goat, half man, um, and he falls in love with a water nymph, Syrinx, um, but she doesn't love him back. So What a surprise. Yeah, unrequited <laughs> love, Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> only for flute. So she um, flees Pan and turns herself into a water reed and hides in the marshes. Um, and he goes and finds her and cuts her to various lengths, um, fastens those lengths together and and um, that's where the pan flute came from. So this piece is very emotional. It's kind of unrequited love, Pan's um, love song for Syrinx that he never As he cuts never her got. to various lengths <laughs> yes. to play. <laughs> okay. Revenge. <laughs> well, let's hear this. This beautiful piece by Claude Debussy, Syrinx, written for solo flute. In fact, in, in some places it's been done as a ballet, and you can hear this played off stage. Tina Castellanos performs.
Syrinx by Claude Debussy. We heard that performed by flutist Tina Castellanos. Performs with Sinfonia Salt Lake. For our final piece, we'll hear the seventh movement, the final number, Badinuri, or Scherzo, almost a joke is a way of translating that, the final movement of Orchestral Suite Number 2 in B minor by Bach. <laughs> The final movement of Johann Sebastian Bach's Orchestral Suite No. 2 in B minor, performed live just now in studio by Utah's newest chamber orchestra, Sinfonia Salt Lake. More information about the ensemble's latest concerts and projects available online at sinfoniasaltlake.com. Conductor Dr. Robert Baldwin, thank you for coming and bringing the ensemble. It is our pleasure to come down and play for you tonight. The details are this for the first concert, the inaugural concert coming up Monday, January 25th, 7.30 p.m. in Salt Lake at the First United Methodist Church on 203 South, 2nd East. Our guests have been conductor Robert Baldwin, Leslie Henry and Micah Fleming, violin, Leslie Richards, played viola, and Brittany Gardner, cello. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. The recording engineer is Mark Waite. Our film assistant is Abby Horlocker, and the show's producer is Jackie Tateishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening.